With Halloween just around the corner, my family has plenty of tricks and treats planned. But thanks to Pampers, one thing I have never been afraid of is a leaky diaper. Fear no leaks with new and improved Pampers Swaddlers, now featuring a blowout barrier at the back waist that helps prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts. We've always looked forward to getting the girls dressed up for Halloween when they were babies. And with Pampers, we knew that in addition to being absolutely adorable in their costumes, they would be dry, clean, and comfortable. With Swaddlers, you can rest assured that you have superior leak protection while keeping baby skin healthy. Pampers Breathe-Free Liner wicks away wetness, allowing baby skin to breathe, while the lock-away channels help keep baby skin dry and healthy. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologists approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic, and free of parabens and latex. Pampers Swaddlers are available in sizes newborn to size 8 and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. For trusted protection, trust Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today and earn Pampers cash. Redeem your Pampers cash for exclusive Pampers coupon savings and rewards. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you, thank you, thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you. This spring, I had the chance to share the stage before a live audience with the incomparable Isabel Allende at New York's 92Y. We spoke about her new book, The Wind Knows My Name, Migration, Grief, and Loss, and her reflections on love and sex in her 80s. Here's the conversation. My husband is here. Did you hear that, Roger? <laughs> Pay attention. Can you take me back to the play you saw, Kinder Transport, that is the genesis of what would become The Wind? Was my- Many years ago here in New York, I saw a play, I think it was called Kinder Transport, and it was based on this story, the story of those children that the parents had to send away. The novel begins in 1938 in Austria, The Jewish families were so terrified of the Nazis at that point who were taking over the country, and England accepted 10,000 kids who were to travel alone without the families. And 10,000 families sent their kids alone to a foreign country without knowing who would receive them. And so when, um, in 2018, 2019, we saw in the press the horrible situation of the families being separated at the border as a government policy to deter people from coming to the United States, it reminded me of the play. And I'm a mother and a grandmother. Would I do that? Would I, would I send my child alone? What, what would happen if I was separated from my, my kid? It would be just devastating. 
So putting the two stories together with 80 years in between was like the natural way of organizing the novel. And you acknowledge that it's even those two incidents are not the only time oh, in no, history. Oh no, not at all. Because think of the times of slavery when they could take away the child from a mother's arm and sell it away to somebody else. Or the indigenous children that were separated from their families and placed in horrible Christian boarding schools to civilize them. Or the mothers in Ireland that were taking the babies away and given to adoption because they were single mothers. It has happened and it keeps happening. That is what's so terrible. This is not your story of immigration, and yet it is undeniably informed by your own experience. Take me back to 1973 and the moment when you realize it's time to go. Well, it wasn't so clear. I knew that I had to get out, but I never thought I would, it would be for long. I thought I had to get out because I was threatened. And I thought, well, maybe in a few weeks I can come back. And then I, I realized that I was in a blacklist and my husband said, no, you can't come back. And eventually he came with my children and we reunited in Venezuela, never thinking that we would spend so long, such a long time. I lived in Venezuela 13 years, my son 16. And the average time that a refugee spends away from home is between 17 and 25 years. And this is a statistic. And that is if they go back. Most refugees leave with the keys of their home in their pockets, with the idea that they will come back and open the door and find everything as they left it. And if they go back, nothing is the same. It's another country, another generation. There's no place for them. And yet you would not be Isabel Allende, the author we know and love, had it not been for exile? I know that I became a writer out of um, longing. The House of the Spirits was an exercise in memory, in trying to remember and recover the losses. The country, the family, the home, the language, everything that I had left behind. And that is the House of the Spirits. There is um, a quote by one of the characters of Bertolt Brecht in one of his plays. And the character says, I am the man who goes around with the brick to show the world how his house was. And the house of the spirits is my brick. So I carry it around and that's everything that I had is there intact forever. I wouldn't be a writer really without that experience, but I was a very privileged refugee. I can't complain. Venezuela was a wonderful country, open, generous, uh, joyful, that received thousands, millions of immigrants from all over the world, and there was space for everybody. And there was whiskey and champagne and, and, and dancing and tequeños and oh God, it was fantastic. <laughs> When my babies were going through their exploration stage, I had so much to worry about. Falling over, bumping heads, what did she just put in her mouth? The list was endless. But when they were in pamper swaddlers, I knew I never had to worry about a leaky diaper. Swaddlers are great for both baby and mommy. They keep your baby's skin healthy and dry with Pampers Breathe Free Liner, which wicks away wetness, allowing your baby's skin to breathe. 
Swaddlers have always given me peace of mind knowing that diaper rash and leaky diapers were not in our future. There's also the blow-up barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blow-ups. Pampers Swaddlers are dermatologist approved by the Skin Health Alliance, hypoallergenic and free of parabens and latex. Your baby deserves that. And they're available in a wide range of sizes from newborn to size eight, and now feature designs with the newest animal characters, Shiloh the Elephant and Freddy the Duck. Having a diaper you can depend on is important, and it's why I have always loved Pampers, the number one pediatrician-recommended brand. Download the Pampers Club app today to start earning rewards with every diapers and wipes purchase. Not to mention, get great parenting content with Pampers Club. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. Hey, Red, what are you up to? Just making sure all the M&M's gifts are wrapped and the balls filled. Remember that one holiday party when we had no M&M's? Oh, boy, I still have nightmares. The cookies? Yeah, you used all the M&M's candies that were meant to decorate the party treats to decorate snowmen. You did it again, didn't you? <laughs> they do look cute, though. Bringing cheer. M&M's for all fun kind. I want to read you two parts of the book that I loved and I underlined. This is from Samuel first, and he says of Anita, who's the other character this intersects with, he wondered if he had consciously erased his first five years, or if he was just too young to remember them. Anita was older than he had been when he was separated from his family. She would forget nothing. And then this. This kind of travesty isn't something you get over. You simply learn to live with it. When in your own life has that been true? When my daughter died. When my daughter died, I, um, well, I think that every, any mother feels that you want to die with her, you want to go with her. And then, um, you know, writing a book about it helped me because it helped me to organize everything. And you learn to live with it. And it never goes away. The pain is under the skin forever. And it's fine, you live with it. And the pain becomes a sweet pain. It's like, like tenderness, that it sort of hurts and, and, and at the same time you don't want to let go of it. And writing the book allowed me to understand, accept what had happened, and live with it. I don't think I would have been able to do it without that. And I get messages every week. This happened 30 years ago. I get messages every week from people who have a great loss. Maybe it's not a child, but some other losses. We all have losses. And they ask me for advice, and I cannot give advice because everybody mourns in a different way. But the only advice that I can give is get out of yourself. Because grief closes us. We become like tight inside. The grief stays there like a rock. And if we're able to open up and share it and get other people involved, it's much easier. You can live with it.
There's also a, a practice I know that, that you practice that you infuse into the wind knows my name, which is this idea of talking to the person that you have lost, of continuing your morning routine. We wake up and you lie in bed and you have questions for those you have lost and you I, continue to ask them. Well, I, uh, I don't see ghosts and I am... <laughs> And I am not very superstitious, not more than any of you. Um, but I have surrounded myself with the spirits of the people and their animals also, especially the animals that I have loved and they are no longer here. So I have their pictures and every morning I wake up really early and uh, first thing, gratitude. Because I have two dogs in my bed and a husband snoring over there. And I'm not alone. And so that is fantastic. And in that order, the dogs. <laughs> and, <laughs> uh, so first is gratitude. And then makeup. I get up and I put on my makeup. So where I have my makeup is I have the photographs of my mom and Paula. Both of them dressed in their bridal gowns. My mother was never really a bride because she could never marry my stepfather because in Chile there was no divorce. So my mother had this thing that she was the mistress. And they lived together 65 years. And I said, mother, a mistress is someone young and sexy. You are not a mistress. You have been with him 65 years. Give me a break. And then my mother would say, yeah, because I am the mistress. So once we were going to Sonoma for a wine tasting, and my mother came again with this thing about the mistress. And I said, what do you want? You want to get married with a white gown? Yes, she said. Okay, I turned around and I drove to San Francisco to a bridal <laughs> shop. <laughs> my mother was 80. And so they dressed my mother in a, like a bride with a crown, with a veil, with flowers. And we took a picture. And my mother had it all framed in a silver frame in the living room, just to bug my stepfather. <laughs> <laughs> so I have those two pictures there. And I say good morning to them, and I say good night to them when I take off my makeup. You say you are proud of being 80. Tell me what it is about being 80 that you are proud of. Well, first of all, that I'm not dead. <laughs> the, the, the alternative is not good. Yeah. So having been able to reach this age is something to be proud of. And then I am happier. The only time in my life that I have been as happy as now is when my two babies were born. The joy of holding my newborn babies is something that I have never forgotten. I have never forgotten the pain of giving birth either. <laughs> so now I have that same joy that I had then, when they were little. Then they grew up and then I don't like them very much. But, <laughs> but when they were little, they were charming. And, and now I have that, for the first time in my life, a feeling that I am comfortable in my skin, that I am happy with the person I am, that I am grateful for everything I have, and I don't want anything. I don't need anything, I don't want anything. I keep giving everything away and getting rid of stuff. It's not that I'm preparing for the coffin. It's, it's that it doesn't make sense to accumulate stuff. Letting go, letting go of grudges, 
of bad memories, of toxic people, of stuff that I don't want to do, of, of uncomfortable shoes, of, go, of, of jewelry that you have to take care of. Oh God, let go. <laughs> and you don't have to concern yourself with pleasing anyone else. Well, I tried to please Roger and the dogs. <laughs> I just want to, I want to get there faster, right? Like, I think there are a lot of us who want to get to the point where what we are seeking is not validation from the world. So how do it's I very, do that It's very hard eating? for young women. Yeah. It's very hard for women in general. We are brought up in a culture where we are supposed to please and to comply and compromise and say yes. So when you reach my age, you don't give a shit about anything. So, did that happen at 80 or did that happen? I mean, it feels as though that has to be a process. Well, of course, everything is a process. People say, well, when you are old, you are wise. If you have been a jerk all your life, why would you be wise when you get old? You will be a, a most horrible jerk. So you have to prepare for everything in life and you have to prepare for an old age. And so the process of letting go and accepting oneself and being comfortable with oneself doesn't happen in one day. You build up to that moment, slowly but surely. But I think that one moment for me that was crucial, that changed me completely, was my daughter's death. I turned 50 that year. I suppose that at 50 is like a moment in a woman's life in which she evaluates a lot of stuff. I, I couldn't because I wasn't I was caring for Paula. But after that, and I don't know if it's because of age or it was because of what had happened, everything started to change. The process started really then. And it's been a long journey, but a happy one. Hi, Latina to Latina listeners. It's Brenda from Tamarindo Podcast. And if you love Latina to Latina, then we know that you're going to love Tamarindo Podcast. And if you're in the L.A. area and can't make it to the Latina to Latina live event, we'd like to invite you to our event on March 28th at 6.30 p.m. We're hosting Amigas Blossoming, a night of celebrating and cultivating blossoming friendships. This will be in Highland Park, and all the details to RSVP for free are at tamarindopodcast.com forward slash events. I have two more questions for you before we start taking questions from the audience. To not have published your first novel until you were 40. I used to hear that, you know, I used to hear like, they did this at 40. And when I was 20, I was like, wow, that person was almost dead. Yeah. And then they did something. Yeah. And now that I'm going to be 40 this summer, I feel very differently <laughs> about that. What would you say to someone my age who feels as though they have not yet begun? Well, I began late to be a writer, but before I had done other things. We think that we need to do something important. We don't need to do anything, we just need to be. And all those years that we think that we are preparing for something, why? You don't have to prepare for anything, just live one day at a time and enjoy the day. I have learned that very late in my life and I wish I had known that before. I would have enjoyed my life more, way more. Isabel, if you were stranded on a desert island, who would you want to be with? Antonio Banderas. (laughs) 
No, no, Roger, Roger, Roger. <laughs> Isabel, knowing what you know now, what besides a pair of keys would you have taken with you back in 1973? In 1973, I took some soil from our garden with the idea that I would plant something somewhere. And I did, I suppose, in Venezuela, but, um, but you know, that's a kind of sentimental thing that, I don't know, it's not even worth trying to keep anything. It's just, you leave everything behind and there's no way. You can carry the keys, you can carry soil, but the truth is that you've lost everything. What did I miss? N nothing in particular, but I think that we, talk, we didn't talk about love, for example. We'll talk about Or sex, we didn't. And you write, I mean, who else could manage to weave a love story and sex <laughs> scenes into a book about child separation? Because it's all happening all at once. Well, that's a lot of research. What has surprised you most about love and sex in your 80s? That I could fall in love again. Because I separated from Willie when I was 74 and everybody said, are you crazy? After investing 28 years with this guy, why are you divorcing now? But of course, at that age, and I wasn't expecting anybody else. So I, I sold every, I mean, I gave away everything. I had sold the house and moved to a very small house to live with my dog. But life has surprises. And so Roger appeared in the horizon. He was like a stalker. <laughs> and uh, he heard me on NPR and started emailing every morning and every evening for five months <laughs> until we finally met. So the, the thing about falling in love late in life is that it's the same as falling in love when you are young, but with a sense of urgency. There's not a day to lose. So there's no time for little petty stuff, for jealousy, for little fights, for intolerance, for impatience, for all the stuff that I carry with me that I'm trying to control. And, and there's no time for any of that because the days are counted. And now, I should talk about sex, because <laughs> you are all asking the question, do you have sex at 80? Well, yes, but I need blueberries for that. These blueberries have marijuana. So <laughs> so <laughs> and chocolate, no? them. <laughs> I can't let us end on marijuana, so I'm going to ask one more question, and then I'll remind you your books are available um, in the back. How do you reconcile everything you have lost, your country, your child, with this beautiful, successful, one-in-a-million life that you have had? I'm grateful because my life has had a lot, a lot of losses and a lot of love. It's been like a roller coaster. What I have learned is to be open 
to every experience and not be afraid of risk. Just, what's the worst that can happen, for God's sake? Just let it go and be open to whatever can happen. If you don't take the risk, nothing happens. So, so that, that, that I have learned. Re when you ask about reconciling, sometimes you don't have the choice. And when you have the choice, I always go for the risk because I don't want a flat life. And that is a perfect note to end on, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you so much. Our gratitude to the 92Y for allowing us to share this conversation. You can check out the full conversation on their website, 92y.org. And thank you to those of you who showed up in person. I loved seeing your faces in the audience. If you're interested in future Latina to Latina events, be sure to check out the link in our show notes. You can share your email and we'll let you know when we plan to be in your city. Thanks for listening. Latina to Latina is executive produced and owned by Juleka Lantigua and me, Alicia Menendez. Paulina Velasco is our producer. Cochin Tashiro is our lead producer. Trent Lightburn mixed this episode. We love hearing from you. Email us at hola at latinatolatina.com. Slide into our DMs on Instagram or tweet us at Latina to Latina. Check out our merchandise at latinatolatina.com slash shop. And remember to subscribe or follow us on Radio Public, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Good Pods, wherever you're listening right now. Every time you share the podcast, every time you leave a review, you help us to grow as a community. A little update on our March 27th live recording of Latina to Latina. You did it. You sold out our early bird tickets. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. There is still time to grab your regular tickets while they last. Again, the details. We are partnering with our friends at Poderistas to bring you a conversation with New York Times bestselling author Sochil Gonzalez. It is happening at the William Vale in Brooklyn on March 27th. You can find the link to purchase tickets on our Instagram page at Latina to Latina or online at Alicia Menendez XO. I cannot wait to see you.